Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we continue our adventures in Women in Film Month by watching Thelma and Louise. And joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Georgia Smith! Hello! How you doing, Georgia? I'm good. Excellent. Uh, Thelma and Louise. Yep. You ain't seen it. I haven't. Uh, what do you know about it? Uh, that it's, you know, <laughs> there's a car that goes off a cliff. Brad Pitt, I think, wearing a cowboy hat. Women in tank tops. I've really, that's about it. Like, I know enough about, like, the zeitgeist world of Thelma and Louise that, like, you know, just the information that you pick up being in the world. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. I, I'm in a very similar boat, having not seen the film either. Um, and you pretty much listed off everything yeah. I knew about it as well. Um, so, uh, it should be exciting. So, given that you know uh, the, the bare bones about, about Thelma and Louise... Um, what what would be your hope for this film? That it's good, <laughs> that it, like lives up to the like expectation of like that film that I should have seen in my brain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, hoping that uh, as as we mark its thirtieth anniversary, that uh, that it that it warrants maybe the impact. Yeah, <laughs> that, that it that it. Uh, commands uh well uh luckily we have someone who has seen the film and it is murray jackson everybody hello Stephen. thank you for dragging me out of bed uh you're most welcome i mean you were out of bed when i got here i don't want the listeners to think i'm going into people's bedrooms <laughs> going let's watch a film well yes that's true Stephen. it wasn't quite quite as invasive as that yes Thelma and louise uh, mm. you have seen the film i have in a vague non-spoilery sort of way uh, what can people like myself and georgia expect Oh, okay. Um, well, this is a road movie um, directed. It's an American road movie directed by a Brit. Um, Americans or or just um, road movies in general um, are, are something that um, particularly well suited to America because you know such wide sort of vistas and interesting you know, little places along the way. Um, and this is, um, you know, one that uh, particularly fits that genre very well. At the same time, it's a very uh, feminist film. Um, and I'm trying to think how many there might have been before this was made. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling to come up with too many. So, um, sort of a big sort of shift um, in that the two main protagonists of the film are women instead of um, you know, uh, coming out of a time when every second film was an action hero. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme. Uh, so this is a little bit of a tonal shift in that regard. Um, it's directed by Ridley Scott, uh, who's one of my favourite directors. Did two of my two favourite films of all time, Alien and Blade Runner. He had come off a fairly lean trot leading into this film. Uh, he had made Legend, uh, which was a um, fantasy film, sort of out of its time, really, uh, and not helped by the fact that one of the sets burned down, uh, causing multiple delays, so wasn't particularly well received. Then he made Someone to Watch Over Me, which was sort of like a romance crime noir thriller, uh, which once again didn't do too well. And then he did a, um, a film called Hard Rain, which uh, was set in Tokyo and was accused of being exceedingly racist. So he wasn't 
doing particularly well. Mm. I didn't have great hopes for this when I heard about it initially, prior to its release. Uh, it doesn't sound terribly exciting. Does it? Thelma and Louise. I mean, it's not much of a title to go on. Um, and remember going to see this at the cinema and was very pleasantly surprised. It's not a perfect film, um, but it's always fun to watch in terms of there's always something happening that keeps you engaged. There was a lot of criticism that came out of um, this film as well, uh, which I suppose we'll, we'll go into later, Stephen. But um, yeah, for me, uh, look, fantastic. The two leads uh, are, are just great to watch. Um, but do look out for uh, Christopher McDonald, who plays um, Thelma's... Uh, Thelma is... I think I've got this right. Thelma or Louise... It's, he plays the husband uh, and just about steals the film. Um, and, of course, Brad Pitt's cameo. So, yeah, those are yeah, just some things to look out for. Excellent. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch Thelma and Louise? Let's. Let's. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and hop into those 1966 Lord Thunderbirds as we watch Thelma and Louise. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Thelma and Louise. And by we, I, of course, mean Murray Jackson. Hello. And Georgia Smith. Howdy. Georgia, that was your first time watching Thelma and Louise. What did you think? It was as expected, which is great. Like, Mm. met all the expectations. Didn't, like, lose anything. Mm. Just a good, fun time. Yeah, just a good, fun time watching these two ladies get slowly dragged into a world of increasingly escalating <laughs> drums. Like, oh dear. Um, yeah, it's it's really fun. I was not expecting it to be as fun as it was. Um, I, I you know, it's 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 Ridley Scott. I don't often associate his films with with fun, but there's lots of really great funny and kind of joyous moments in this, Murray. Mm. Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of comedy in it. Um, it's a buddy movie. Mm. Uh, and buddy movies you got to have that that uh that level of comedy in there somewhere. Mm, yeah, uh, the story um, is is pretty basic. Uh, Thelma and Louise are friends who want to go on a weekend away, uh, but they both live in uh, not ideal situations. They are women in America! Uh, so, uh, I, I, I was surprised by... I felt the film was quite subtle to begin with about this, this sort of overall message because this is seen as one of the big, important feminist film texts. I, I thought that it started off for me, a little bit subtly with that. And that message just sort of slowly got ramped up as the crimes got ramped up uh, throughout the film. Um, but yeah, you know, Louise is a, is a waitress um, who's, who's just kind of got this basically crap job. Dead end job. Yeah. And Thelma is, um, is, is married to, to Daryl who you were right, Murray almost steals this film. Mm-hmm. I told you Chris McDonald, everyone. His Get out number there. one necklace really ah. just. Daryl was just, the w- the worst, but he he almost felt like he was borrowed from like a an Adam Sandler film almost. He felt like a like a baddie from that someone who he's he's the guy who Thelma met in college mm. 
or high school and and just never let go for yeah. some reason. I think you can always tell a character can't be trusted if they comb their hair with both hands, but one of them's like doing the shape of where they want the hair to be while the other hand is actually combing. I don't think I've ever seen a character do that and gone, they've been a good person. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Thelma and Daryl, um, they're, they're in this relationship. You know, the house is weird. She can't eat chocolate bars right. There's just all this <laughs> just weird really stuff. Yeah. Such so, chaotic. Yeah, she kept like bar. pulling it out of the fridge. I'm taking putting a it bite. back in the fridge. Yeah. It's just mad. Oh, it stressed me out. Yeah, you couldn't live with you couldn't live like that. I couldn't. If, if your uh, if your dear partner was uh, <laughs> just pulling food out, eating it, and throwing no, it back in, that's cause for divorce. All right. Okay. Well, you've been warned, Andrew. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's um, yeah. They're, they're they're in this situation where Thelma is is in this unhappy uh, home life, and um, she's clearly kowtowed to Daryl a lot throughout their relationship. But it's a very clear. Um, power dynamic that she is on the the thin end of in that relationship but she chooses to not tell him about the weekend trip and it starts um what anyone who who has had a toddler would like to call the testing of the boundaries (laughs) um which she basically then tests throughout the rest of the film um and it was really fun seeing seeing how this all just kind of fell apart for them but it fell apart in in such a satisfying way for them you get what i mean like they like, fell together yeah it's it's weird <laughs> it's it, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of like Thelma's journey of discovery isn't it yeah Where she uh she she becomes more assertive as as the film goes on mm. um Whereas, yeah, it's interesting with Louise. Louise is, uh, I don't know. I don't think Louise has quite the character arc, does she? I think hers is a bit more, um, it's definitely secondary to to Thelma's because, you know, Thelma goes from quite meek and, um, you know, just in the situation to where she's, to where she's shagging Brad Pitt in a in a motel room and and you know has has just robbed a convenience store you know she 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 does have that very obvious. But who hasn't gem. woken up with that as their hope for the day? You know, oh, yeah. shag Brad Pitt, <laughs> yeah. rob a ghost grocery store. Yeah, yeah, we we all we all have dreams. We, but, we all. But I think with Louise, what's really interesting is, is it's almost as though, for me, my reading of this as a first time viewer is her journey is learning to. It's almost that it's okay to have been hurt, because clearly she has this thing, this incident in Texas, which is never explained canonically. It's never stated exactly what happened, but we know that she was sexually assaulted in in Texas. You know, um, Thelma works it out, and it's almost as though, for, for me at least, it feels as though through her relationship with Thelma, and a little bit with with Jimmy as well, but less so she is learning that she doesn't have to have walls up all the time to an extent, or it feels as though that she's like, she feels Mm. very much like she has become hardened by these experiences Mm -hmm. and that she's also not had much fun. Like so much of the fun that these two are having is framed around Thelma. Like, you know, Oh, you finally got laid properly. You know, all this kind of stuff. But I think that it's equally fun and cathartic for Louise as well. It's just that she's not the focus as much. Mm. At least that would be my mm. my reading. 
Yeah, I mean, it, the, 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 the script was written by um, a female screenwriter, so this this film's written from a, a female perspective. Um, and uh, I, I guess there, you know, I don't know, 30 years ago, it's hard to remember back, what, 30 years ago, um, and I, I, I'm not a woman, so it's not my place to say what it was like being, being a, a woman back in the, the early 90s, late 80s, whatever the case may be. Um, but I, you know, the one thing that is clear to me is that there was still um, that feeling that there were traditional roles for women, um, and there was that, you know, it was a start where we were, you know, women were starting to test the boundaries a bit about what was permissive and wasn't permissive in terms of you know what they could do. This is only twenty years on from you know um, the um, what's the major abortion issue? I forget what it's called. Um, but Wade versus Roe. That yeah. Roe, Roe versus Wade. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're talking about an evolution of, of, of women's rights, for, for, for want of a better word. And this film is probably the first film where it was like, yeah, we can do whatever the heck we want. Mm. Um, so, yeah, positive message, I guess. Um, it also felt like she'd been wanting to, like, settle... But still be, she wanted to, she remained hardened and then, but also wanted like her life to sort of fall into place. Like she was angry mm. with Jimmy that he obviously was like a little unreliable mm. and then he flies out to meet her and that's when he proposes and she's like, no, I actually don't need this. I've realized yeah. from this, like this stage of the journey that mm. it's not, it's not going to like calm me down. It's not going to like mm. break down all these barriers that I maybe thought it was going to like mm. open up. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, she's like, I don't need this. And that for me is, is why I'm a little pissed off and always have been a little bit pissed off that the end of this film is these women can't ultimately obtain what they want. They have to die. Mm. Do you think the film would have been less effective if they lived, though? Because I, I feel like the thing everyone knows about Thelma and Louise, even, like I knew it coming into this, yeah. they die at the end. They die at the end because they're trapped and they choose to go out like, you know, proper old west heroes. Like, it's it's Butch and Sundance. Yeah, exactly. It's that it's that, but in a nineteen sixty six Lord Thunderbird, which is arguably cooler. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know that the film would have had as much impact, and I think maybe the overall message would have been less impactful had they made it to Mexico and like you know those dreams that they're talking about towards the end of the film. You know, if they were living them out, trust me, I'd have loved to have seen them have a lovely time. But I also completely understand that i think the message of this film is that maybe there are problems with the way that uh systems in american society are constructed particularly for for women and um maybe that's something people should be thinking about that, so, that feels like what it is so death is a choice ladies uh yeah yeah i i feel maybe yeah i i also see what you mean yeah. there but yeah at the same time it's yeah, look, it's, it's it, totally it, it, story, it was yeah. it was constructed for dramatic. I'm going to let yeah. you off the hook here. It was okay. constructed Thank entirely you. for dramatic <laughs> purposes, and it it works from that perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, the, the idea for Thelma and Louise um, originated in 1988 when uh, the writer uh, Callie Corey, who was then a music video producer, which I think maybe explains why there's the film is the, the use of music with the the driving shots. Mm. Some of it did feel a bit music video-y. So um, many looking at the visor. Yeah. <laughs> being like, this um, is my moment. Yeah, which is really lovely. Um, she was driving home from work to her apartment in Santa Monica. Um, 
she had spent the first six months working on the first screenplay um, where she drew inspiration from her friendship with a country music singer called Pam Tillis. And originally she was thinking, I'll probably just make this as a, a low budget independent film was was the original thinking but um the script got shopped around and ended up with um ridley scott um who expressed great enthusiasm he was a big fan of it and agreed to produce the film and bought the rights for half a million dollars um so basically yeah ridley saw it and saw great potential Mm. and i don't think it's any surprise that it's that it's ridley scott that did this when you look at what came before from him um particularly not not just that he threw Susan Sarandon in it, but particularly with his, um, the, the sort of feminist film messaging that he had, particularly in stuff like Aliens. Um, I think this feels like a, not a natural sequel, but it feels very much sort of like a thematic through line for him as a director. Mm. It's, it's not surprising that he latched onto this idea and went, yeah, this could be great. Um, uh, yeah, it, he's, he's, he's always been someone who's, who's liked strong characters. Mm. And and good characterization. So, um, I mean, as I understand it, he was reluctant to direct this. Um, he, well, yeah, he. I mean, he was keen to get it made, but he didn't want to to direct mm. it. And they went through a whole list of directors. I think his brother was asked at one point. Uh, oh, it would have been totally different. If it was a Tony Scott film, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, but uh, in the end, um, yeah, Ridley ended up directing it. But I think it turned out pretty well, to be honest. It is beautifully shot, and and it, it it's as I said to you, it's. The quintessential American road movie. This film would not work if it was called Mavel and Mavis and Ethel, <laughs> and it was set in the UK with them <laughs> driving from Scotland down to to you know Portsmouth yeah. on the M1. Th- that wouldn't work. Yeah, driving this... off the White Cliffs of Dover. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, this it is. You know, as I say, nice wide open spaces, small towns, shit kickerville. Um, it, it it just works beautifully from that mm. perspective, and set to that music of Hans Zimmer, um, I, I, I yeah, it, it's beautifully shot, and, and it 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 goes together well. I do take what Georgia says that you know maybe you know, a little bit sort of uh, music video ish at times. Um, but I, yeah. I don't think that put me off though. Mm. It just makes sense when you know that it was written by it. Someone mm. who worked in the music video industry. Yeah, and it does feel as though music videos, particularly at that time as well, a lot of the the appeal with them is that idea of everything's a bit glamorous and isn't this nice. And for Thelma, like this is freedom for the first time, so it makes sense she'd have that yeah, totally. that rose tinted sort of view. And she's you know looking through sunglasses. Oh, and there's a super hot cowboy over there, and you know things like that. It, it sort of makes sense. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. That's the, yeah, the other bit that ruins it for me. The line dancing. Oh. God. Well, yeah. I mean, the inciting incident. We I, we could say it was the line dancing. It's probably what came afterwards, but mm. the line dancing didn't help. Um, Did not help at all. Yeah. On their first night out, um, Thelma and Louise stop by a bar. They have some drinks. Mm. That's and... poor judgment. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're going to do the line dance, you've got to do the time dance. You, you, you just don't. You just don't do. Yeah. Kids. Unless it's the nutbush. <laughs> yes. Unless it's the nutbush. Unless it's an Australian wedding and you have to perform the nutbush. That is the one sort of acceptable time for a line it's dance. It's bars like that that made Billy Ray Cyrus famous. Mm. <laughs> Look at the consequence. Um, yeah. So they meet um, Harland, this. Um, this scumbag, who, delightful specimen of men. Yeah, who uh, 
who um you know is, is dancing with Thelma and she's enjoying it because she's you know she, I'm away from Daryl woo isn't this great and then he takes her into the car park and attempts to rape her and almost does in a scene that to be honest I was not expecting it to be shot in that way and was I I, I thought I was pretty 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 it. vicious yeah it, it mm. was vicious and I think it was perhaps good that it was shown to be vicious because it makes the consequential action of louise shooting and killing harland not feel out of place yeah um i think if you'd attempted to shoot it in a more subtle way which quite often when it comes to depictions of sexual assault they're not shot like that usually um or at least my 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 experience of watching films where these things are depicted um yeah i thought that this was I think it was quite important that it was shot that way to match the well, you needed the emotional to, tone. Yeah. You needed her to be like, yeah, that's exactly what you should have done. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, you wanted the whole theatre to basically rise up as one, point at the screen and say, justified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was. <laughs> like, just, just the way this is presented, that was like a really awful thing to be happening. But I also from it from a writing perspective really like the fact that the the thing that killed harland was him taunting them because they were willing that or they were walking away yeah felmer and louise were walking away and he just pushed it that bit too far and it, it's something that the, the truck driver mm. does as well later in the film and that pushing it i mean i can't believe he hadn't been watching the film up to that point that's true that's true yeah um but uh yeah it was it was a very satisfying death um, from from an audience perspective, but I thought they framed it really well um, to then set them off on this desperate journey. And the thing that really surprised me was the fact that the main police officer that we are shown chasing them, um, Hal, played by Mister Wolf himself, mm. um, Harvey Keitel, is is so sympathetic to to the the situation that they're in. I was not expecting that from. Well, from this he's the he's the only sympathetic male character in mm. the in the in the whole thing. E- even Jimmy, you you go well, mate. You, you it sounds like you did doss her around a fair bit, mm. and, and now you're making this desperate gesture. Uh, so even he comes off like, ah, oh, well, you know, dude. Mm. Um, so yeah, the 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 entire um, uh, positive, if there is anything positive about masculinity in this film falls mm. on the, the shoulders of Harvey Keitel. Everyone else, every other male character is a dead dead shit in this. Are you forgetting about the guy who was working out at that one truck stop? <laughs> who had just the massive <laughs> muscles? Yeah, in the tiny shorts. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he, he was great. He was only in one shot, but boy, did he make impact. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And it was... It was really... I think I I really enjoyed Harvey Keitel in this film. I really enjoyed the fact there was a character who had that empathy, and seeing how this system fails to sort of acknowledge that empathetic view. The fact that um, Stephen Tobolsky um, as Max just overrides him the entire time, even though they're on the the same side and they're supposedly attempting to achieve the same goal. He he's like, nah, we've got them lined up. They're either coming in cold or submiss- submitting like he's he, there's no empathy from max um and and seeing how constantly trying 
to make it work, but it failing, I think again feeds into Thelma and Louise getting killed. Um, mm. th- seeing these things fail, I think, is more emblematic of the f- point that I think this this film is trying to make, which is that the systems in place don't work for people like Thelma and Louise. Well, it, it's beautifully put in where, where um, Louise explains to Thelma the position they're in. You know, yeah. you were dancing with this guy. You were seen dancing. You were drunk. Um, you know, you were all over him. Mm. Who are they going to believe? And yeah, once again, that's that's um, something that I hope is starting to to maybe change. Mm. Um, but yeah, bang on in terms of the time it's set in. Georgia, obviously, this was your first time watching it, and mm-hmm. as a contemporary uh, twenty twenty one viewer. Um, does it feel as though that central message of Thelma and Louise and that that concept is still relevant to yeah, totally. today? Yeah, yeah. I don't think stuff has changed enough. Isn't it mm. sad? Yeah, and when you think about this being its like thirty year anniversary, mm. like we all hope it has changed, but you'd hope it would have changed mm. already. Like we're like, oh, look at this nice historical piece, but mm. it really, like. Even the fashion is coming back. Like, it's almost <laughs> contemporary. Mm. Yeah, the, the obscene truck driver felt very much like, ah, you're on the internet now. That, that's yeah, what exactly. that felt like. Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to give a shout out to um, our obscene truck driver, though, for his <laughs> just being the best awful side character in, in this film. Um, it was just wonderful to watch uh, Marco St. John uh, just... Occasionally popping up and doing his bad, his and then obviously the don't forget the tongue. Don't forget the tongue. Don't forget the tongue. And then yeah, he's come up. I ever will. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have to say though, I said it while we're watching it. I can't think of any actor who has had a cooler job than screaming and cussing out Thelma and Louise as his truck blows up behind him. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, and it was that was definitely not green screened. He was there, and it was superb. Um. Yeah, um, quite good special effects in this film. Um, to be honest, I was you know good use of practical effects. Um, mm. And the, well, that's all I had. Yeah, and but the 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 chase sequences as well were great. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, super. Oh, they 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 did very good car chases. I mean, think of Blues Brothers and how mm. many cop cars they managed mm. to to wreck in that. Um, so yeah, they're pretty accomplished at doing those mm. back in those days. Although there's always that one scene where the cop car is chasing our heroes, and there's a just a, a really convenient piece of masonry or timber, mm. which is just perfect as a ramp for that <laughs> thing right to roll. For yeah, yeah, for it to flip yeah. and roll. Yeah. yeah, it was a good roll, has to be said. <laughs> I think I think that's called a sidewinder mm. in the stunt car. <laughs> Um, trade and yeah it was beautifully executed in this film so well done to that driver um okay look we've gotten far enough into this podcast without talking about brad pitt he is so just beautiful presented in the straight female gaze (laughs) it is incredible uh this is his big breakout role and you can see why that is a lean piece of steak right there <laughs> um, but he's great in this uh, I, I really feel like it's it's i was surprised how small the role was but it was superb um just as this the perfect sort of f- object of thelma's 
um, escapist fantasy. Uh, you know, this this slightly younger man who's uh, very polite, you know, with his, his manners and his, and his cowboy hat, and also the fact that he is just incredibly hot. Uh, it, so ripped. Yeah, mm. it just, yeah, he is, he's just superb. And, and, the, and tanned, don't forget the tanned. Oh yeah, tanned, yeah, everything charming, and best of all, he's a criminal! <laughs> he steals the money, he advances the plot, it's it's really it's great. Really what tips it over the edge, they're like, well, we've got to go rob somewhere, because yeah. we need money. I then, even, even then, you go from that point where... He's he's robbed them and he's he's left and and that sets up the jeopardy, mm. but you don't really, well I don't know for me anyway you don't really hate him mm. um, at that point that's in his nature really, the money was he really there. warned her yeah, yeah. the money it was, was in there. the shot yeah. where he's telling about how he steals it's it. it's when he's in the police station and Harvey kite and and you go ah. A bit of a scumbag, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, totally. And I really like that that scene was in there because I think in most other films we wouldn't have seen JD again. It would have yeah. been like that that good looking piece of ass stole our money. Well, that's the end of him. In good this luck film. to him. But the fact that he was brought back, one, he has the scene with Hal where Hal just bashes him with his own cowboy <laughs> hat, so just being like, "I will hold you personally responsible," which reinforces Hal as being like almost the moral center point yeah. of this film. Uh, which is unusual for the cop to be the moral centre point in this sort of film, but good. And two, when he taunts Charlie McDonald mm. as Daryl, and Daryl just goes and just just trying to jump down the stairs at him, and he's like just doing little hip wiggles <laughs> at him when the cops have got him. It's just some of the best taunting in cinema. That was that was superb. So well done for bringing Brad Pitt back in. I just want to once again mm. say what a terrific job. Chris McDonald did in this film mm-hmm. um, for me one of the, the best character performances yeah. with, with very little to, to, to play with too in terms of dialogue mm. um, it just, just cracks me up every time I want to thank uh, Thelma for packing so much stuff so that no matter how much stuff they lost along the way they still had clothes to wear yeah. what were they going to do with the butterfly net yeah, they could have turned the butterfly net into a sail. They could have sailed across the Grand Canyon <laughs> if they just got in the right breeze. Um, yeah, I do also want to say maybe one of the funniest things I've seen in a film on on, on this podcast recently. Um, you're standing in your pizza. So. <laughs> <laughs> so why is there a pizza on the floor? Why is why is Daryl? Because his wife's away, so he's yeah. a mess. He doesn't know yeah. how to look after himself. And just all the little scenes with the needless amount of cops in his house yeah. and then also, what... why did he have a napkin like <laughs> max and yeah. like the cop had just a napkin in yeah so he's just come from red lobster literally looks like yeah. he'd walk out of the makeup chair yeah the young cop is reading boudoir magazine yeah. um they're all watching that film and when daryl changes the channel they all look at him and he changes it back it's just he doesn't get a seat in his own house anymore it's very yeah funny. yeah it was um it was yeah it was really fun and and I, I think the yeah. acting, the, the acting overall in this film is is a, is of a really really high standard. Mm. The, the, the number of little character nuances um, that, that that each of them have, uh, yeah, it mm. makes it just I don't know, so watchable. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I'll lead to um, big shock. Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, good actors, uh, but, but they are really hitting it out of the park in this one. And I think Susan Sarandon has maybe got the slightly heavier lifting because that character arc is less well-defined um, than Gina Davis's. And they, they're they just wonderful. And I really like 
the way that they're acting when they're there's these moments where they do have slight suspicions of each other you know where it's like you know you're gonna turn and run back or things like that mm-hmm. i i felt that they were handled both in terms of the writing and the acting really well because it was important that those doubts were expressed because it's realistic to be like this is a serious situation and like you could you, we one of us or both of us could try and turn back or turn the other one in yeah totally and i felt that they performed those scenes really well and really realistically which then just made that ending where they're both just in the car and they're just like we're going to do it i want to keep driving and they you know they kiss and they hold hands and off they go it it really made that moment pay off the film does end very suddenly um I was not expecting it to go straight to credits after the sort of flashed to white um, as they freeze framed over the Kieran Kenyon. Where else was he going to go, Stephen? <laughs> well, because the car's got to go down eventually. I was maybe possibly expecting a bit of like Hal on the edge of the cliff, like holding his head, like no, like you know something. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, maybe it's better that they didn't do that, yeah. but it was more just very sudden, and then like the sudden cut to that very eighties, nineties credit thing of the the two characters that have been on the the buddy cop journey, or yeah. the, just like driving all the things they've done in the film and but all you can think is like they just died and like if you were watching this in the cinema when it came out not knowing yeah i think that's real whiplash in memoriam <laughs> yeah. my, my memory is that, that there, there was one of those tear up moments when when you yeah. when you were watching it on the, the big screen at that time mm. because like well, what does she mean keep going mm. uh, yeah. it, there was no Simpsons meme back then. Yeah. This was living the experience. It's like, what does she mean? Keep going? Mm. They can't. It's, you know, they're going to find a magic path down there, or what? Mm. So when the car drove off, and you know, you watch it for the first time in the cinema, it's like, oh, oh God, oh, I guess they're not coming back. Mm. Yeah, but by the time you've had that thought, it's and here's the credits yeah. and here's the people. Wasn't this a nice film? They both died. Like <laughs> a nice Don Henley song over the over the background. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about Thelma and Louise? Yes, please. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. And the first bit of trivia is. The sequence where Daryl slips and falls on the builder supplies as he's leaving for work at the start of the film was unscripted. Chris McDonald genuinely lost his footing. I think I called him Charlie McDonald at one point earlier. (laughs) Sorry, uh, Chris McDonald. Uh, Despite this, he remained in character, yelling at the workman as he got into the car and drove away. Uh, As he states on the DVD commentary, uh, Ridley Scott liked it so much he kept it in the film, and it was great. I just like he came up with a with a character name too for the Homer. Yeah, Yeah. and we all went, yeah, yeah, it seems seems right. He looks like a Homer. Yeah, Uh, the scene where Louise grabs Thelma's headphones off her and scares her also wasn't planned. Um, In the audio commentary, Gina Davis mentions that she was supposed to get up when Susan Sarandon called her from the car, but she had the volume on the Walkman up too high. (laughs) So uh, Susan came over and and pulled the headphones off. Um, I I don't know, as as if I was acting in that scene, I probably wouldn't have turned the Walkman on, but I'm I'm kind of glad Really committing. Yeah, just like, no, no. Thelma's listening to her tunes in a frilly bikini thing. That's that's what's happening. 
And yeah. so yeah, that little That's bit. one of the worst swimsuit costumes ever. Yeah, and she wore it for quite a while because yeah. like she she just threw on one of the denim jackets over the top and a of skirt. It. I think at one and, point. Yeah, and the yeah. skirt. And I was like, okay, cool. You, look, you, you do you. <laughs> You've got three suitcases worth of clothes, but mm. sure, leave just the bikini. On. Yeah. Um, for the more raunchy sex scenes between Brad Pitt and Gina Davis, Ridley Scott had assumed that a body double would be needed for Gina. Um, shortly after he'd begun auditioning prospective doubles, Davis learned of Scott's intentions and insisted that no doubles were needed in those <laughs> scenes. She'd seen Brad Pitt by that point. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, B-movie legend Julie Strain uh, has said in an interview that she did double for Davis in some of those shots. Mm. But yeah, I can imagine her going, no, no, Ridley, no. No, it's 27-year-old Brad Pitt. I'm doing the scene. <laughs> no, no, I don't care what Jeff Goldblum thinks. We're about to break up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was um yeah i don't blame her absolutely don't blame her um gina davis happened to be seated next to george clooney on a flight about 20 years after this film was made um and during the course of their conversation george clooney mentioned that he read for the part of jd um opposite her but she had to admit she had no recollection of auditioning with him um, which is a little embarrassing. Mm. Blindsided by Brad Pitt by that point. Yeah, she was just thinking, Brad. <laughs> Even though she had bloody ER, uh, about to be ER famous George Clooney there as well. So, oh, Gina Davis, what a life. Um, there were several actors up for the role of JD. Um, I'm going to run through a couple of them now. This is not necessarily whether or not um, we think they would have been better uh, or Oh, well, I thought we were giving a thumbs up or yeah. thumbs oh, down. No, yeah, we, you can give a thumbs up or mm, thumbs down. Okay. It's not about, are they hotter than Brad Pitt? It's just more, <laughs> do you think they could have played this character well? Um, the, there was an actor who originally got the part called William Baldwin. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but he dropped out. So, um, yeah, Brad Pitt, I think, was maybe a better choice there. But some of the other options, uh, George Clooney, as we just heard. Mm, I mean, yeah. 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 I'm a George fan. Mm. Yeah. I've, we've seen him play he subsequently. Can, he can play smooth smooth guys well. Smooth yeah. criminals yeah. as well. Yeah. We've seen him play them um, pretty pretty. The frequently. guy wore a bat suit with nipples, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Ruffalo. Ooh, that would have been really yeah, early on in his career. Mm, yeah. he would have been such a different mm. take. Yeah. I, it could have worked, but yeah. yeah. I, I think I... I think Brad's maybe better for the sort of like idealized um, uh, straight female gaze mm. sort of part. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as well was um, someone that was seriously considered. Wow. Ooh, see, he can turn his hand almost anything, can't he? Yeah, Robert he was, Downey he was Jr. Very attractive back in the mm. day. Yeah. You're thinking around the time of Chaplin. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Uh, the reason that he didn't get the part is he was deemed to be too short when stood next to Gina Davis. Uh, there were a couple of other actors that were considered for the titular roles of Thelma and Louise. Um, the When the script was being shopped around, um, two actors that wanted to do it were Goldie Horn and Meryl Streep. Mm. That would have been a different film. Them. It would have mm. been, yeah. Yeah. Mm. They turned down the opportunity to do the script because they chose to do Death Becomes Her instead. Which I've never seen. Okay. Can't comment on that one. Mm. Yeah. Oh, look, it's no Thelma and Louise. Let's, <laughs> let's say that. But also, I I don't know that that pairing of, of Horn and Streep would have worked for the way this film I don't know up. if either of them has like the innocence that Gina Davies manages to bring to that film. Yeah. I, I, I could have seen Streep in the Sarandon mm. role. Yeah. 
Um, Goldie Horn can play ditzy, but um, yeah, but G- Gina like, Davis is different sort of. Thelma, like. Thelma's not ditzy. No, yeah. well, she starts off a bit ditzy. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more that she's just sheltered. She's naive. She, yeah. yeah, but she's never but by circumstance, not. Yeah, like, like she's never really shown to be clumsy or like a ditz at any point. Um, she keeps putting ca- chocolate bars back in the fridge, the man. That's a bad habit. That's not clumsiness, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's not eating your chocolate right um, A couple of other actors that were considered Were Michelle Pfeiffer mm-hmm. And Jodie Foster mm-hmm. I think Jodie Foster I don't know She was doing some pretty intense Stuff at the time So I mean she came off films like The Accused um, And uh, the one that The, the film where she got raped, actually. Um, well, there was a horrible rape scene, and I forget the name of the film. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It's. Mm. It was also the fact she was in a little thing called Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, <laughs> which, which you know, yeah. not a bad film. If if you haven't seen yeah. it, I suggest you watch it. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, one of the other uh, fun bits of trivia is that both Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were nominated for Best Actress at the Academy Awards, but both lost out to Jodie Foster for Silence mm. of the Lambs. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, this film did take out an Oscar for Best Screenplay, but uh, it didn't win any of the other major uh, awards because Science of the Lambs won all the other main like, Oscars. It is a good film. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, I mean, I don't know. Is this Academy material? I mean, is this like a, a, the, you know, a Best Picture type movie? Well, look. It's, it's too... I think it's too hmm. broad stroke in Maybe. terms of its, its appeal. I, you know, I they would, always go for something arty, don't they? I would say that. But Green Book won Best Picture, and that's about two people in a green car <laughs> driving around, and it's an infinitely worse film than this. So mm. I'd say if Green Book can let's win, not talk it, about that year. Yeah, the let's let's move on. <laughs> uh, the final bit of trivia: uh, it does involve um, Chris McDonald. Gina Davis and Chris McDonald were previously engaged in the eighties. In 1984, they were engaged, uh, but obviously it didn't end up working out. Uh, so when McDonald was cast to play her awful husband in this. Um, he said it was really great making uh, this movie, and he said it was really cathartic. Yeah, <laughs> um, seeing them together again. Which I think she actually suggested him for the part. Mm. Yeah, and I'm so glad she did because mm. he's wonderful. And yeah, it, we don't we only see that one scene of them together, um, but yeah, there was certainly they had a very clear dynamic. Um, there, I w- I'm not going to say they had good chemistry because <laughs> that was not a good relationship uh, that was on film. But yeah, I believed that relationship existed mm-hmm. um, and really helped lay the groundwork for the rest of the film. Um, oh, the eggs. Uh, we were the talking eggs. about eggs. Sorry. Um, mm. Yeah, the the scene where Susan Sarandon uh, vomits uh, after having shot Harland uh, is just a load of egg whites. Um, and apparently that's what they use in this film for vomit, and it was really effective. It was real goopy. Real, real goopy, yeah. I also noticed at one point during the the, the sexual assault scene, Harlan just did this big dribble of spit come yeah, down, he and did. It, it just got caught in the light, and it was yep. like, oh, I mean, sexual assault's gross, but he's drooling! Yeah. Like, mm. it was just this extra, like, additional layer of just, like... Grossness. Yeah. Sleaze. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to make good vomit, like Susan Strandon had in this film, uh, just, a, just a load of egg whites. Yeah. Works real well. Um, so, all that remains is for us to score the film, and 
Georgia, you get to go first. Uh, what score would you give Thelma and Louise out of oh. 10? I think it loses 0.5 for that inconsistency of the margarita continuity. Oh, yes. <laughs> so would, you, would you like to elaborate? So it's just uh, like shot, uh, shot versus shot, sort of like set up of over the shoulder and then face on during their conversation in the bar pre Harlan's death, where the margarita was just never the, it was like very full in the shots over her shoulder mm-hmm. and then a centimeter empty in the shots facing on yeah. just, and it consistently flipped between the two shots for a good, I'm going to say a minute mm. of the scene and it just really threw me off. Okay. So docking half a point. <laughs> docking there. half a point. And I think on that, I'm going to give it a nine chaotically eating chocolate bars out of 10. Yeah. I would not be surprised if there were just nine half eaten chocolate bars in there. <laughs> And that is all that um, that Daryl has left to remind him of his <laughs> wife. He's like, I'll never touch this again. <laughs> what about yourself, Murray? Ooh, okay. Um, well, it's exceedingly well acted. It's beautifully photographed. It's very well directed. It has an awesome soundtrack. Um, and it's pleasantly kind of held up. Um uh, you know, 30 years since it was released. God, I'm so old. Uh, I will give it... I, I'm going to give it eight stood-in pizzas out of ten. Mm. Make sure you wipe your feet. Mm. <laughs> he was very clear about that with the cops, which is lovely. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I feel as though it's um, it's a really good example of um, of that sort of road movie uh you know two people going all the way to the end and and that central relationship i absolutely believed um and enjoyed seeing how it developed i do feel as though the middle of this film is a little bit slow just uh, just feels as though there's a couple of things that could have potentially been either cut down on or or removed but but there wasn't really anything that felt egregiously bad or or just like god just get to the bit with the jump off the cliff like you know it was it was enjoyable but there was a definite sort of um slowness in the middle of the second act but then they pick it right up and they blow up a guy's truck and it's great um so i'm going to give it uh seven and a half massive workout dudes out of ten just pumping iron in the background of shots seven and a half rounds with jd in the bedroom yeah look no wonder, no wonder that Thelma was happy when she came for breakfast the next morning with her, with her tussled hair. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the end of our review of Thelma and Louise. Murray and Georgia, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Hey, uh, Women in Film Month is almost up. We've got one more film. You picked it at home. It is... The Descent. Uh, So we will be watching that. Um, How did we pick that? Why? We asked our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast to pick uh, or nominate films that they wanted to go into the public poll. And guess what? Our friends over at Facebook, uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. They voted for it. So we will be watching that. And you might be listening to this going, oh boy, I can't wait to hear that. But how do I make it turn up automatically on my device of choice? subscribe is the answer Uh, itunes spotify soundcloud whatever you choose just subscribe to us there and you'll get a new episode each and every week but that's all for this week so until next time let's keep going
<laughs> Are you sure? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.